Welcome to the Collecting Confidence Podcast, where we'll explore confidence, what it is, why we need it, how we get it, and how we lose it. I'm John Barrett. Hello, and thank you for joining me for today's episode of Collecting Confidence. This is John Baird, and we're going to talk today a little bit about opportunities and about taking advantage of the opportunities around you. I know that I do not always take advantage of the opportunities around me. My wife has to say, hey, let's go here, let's go there. And I'm like, I like it right here. I like hunkering down where I know where I've got all my stuff. I'm a bit of a pack rat, and I don't like traveling if I don't have to. When I do travel, I'm fine with it, but if I have an option, I'll stay here usually. I'm not looking to go somewhere else. Well, I got an opportunity to go do theater in New York, and I ended up being out there for a full year. And I'm not much of a New York person. I only knew one person out there, my roommate, Tom. And Tom was a great guy, but I didn't know anybody else in the city. And I had a lot of downtime. We would do a show on Monday, and then we wouldn't do another show until the following Tuesday. So we had a lot of downtime. But I didn't want to be in New York City. That's not my kind of place. Tall cement canyons and drunks and a questionable subway. And this was before they had cleaned up Times Square. So there was a lot of people standing outside saying, Hey, we got real live girls in here. Come on in. Come see the show. Not my kind of place. Not where I wanted to be. And the people watching was very interesting. If you really wanted to find a character for the play that you were writing, that was the place to be because there were lots of characters there. But I didn't feel a need to go be there. Eventually, I realized I'm sitting here staring at these four walls reading Time Magazine or whatever we have around, and I really need to get out. I really need to enjoy the city or see the city or at least have something to say besides I'm sitting in my hotel waiting for my next show which is coming up in six more days. So I decided to go out, and the first place that I went to was Central Park. Now, Central Park has trees. Central Park doesn't have a lot of tall buildings. That was my kind of place. I spent a lot of days in Central Parks, hugging trees, looking at grass, trying to avoid the tall buildings. And at one point, I walked by a museum, and I thought, oh, that's interesting, and I love learning. So I went in, and eventually... I fell in love with being at the museums. I thought, this is great. And I think I got an annual pass to both the Guggenheim and the Metropolitan Museum. And I spent all kinds of time at the museums. If it was raining outside, not a problem. I go to the museums. I look around. I learn. What am I learning? Anything. Doesn't matter. I just love learning. And eventually we got offers to be in other shows. They had some shows on Broadway that they said, you know, if you guys get some downtime, Our shows rotate as well, and so you guys have a show on Sunday. Our show is on Tuesday. Can you do your show and our show, and we'll pay you? And it's like, okay, fine. So we got to go do some other theater. And eventually, I found out about this group that played chess in Uptown. And I'm not a great chess player. I'm a little bit past the point where you go, ooh, wow, the buildings can move. But I still like to call them horses rather than knights. So figure out where I'm at there not too great. But I would go down and watch these guys play because I feel like watching good people play, you can learn quite a bit. And if you happen to play against them, you'll learn quite a bit. You'll lose all the time, but you'll learn as you lose. That's the nice thing about chess. If the other person's better than you, you're learning rather than losing. And that's a good lesson to learn. And then I'd go to Central Park and on the pond in Central Park, they had sailboaters and they had these radio controlled sailboats. 
out on the pond, not real sailboats, but radio-controlled sailboats. And I really enjoyed watching the sailboaters out there. And eventually when I got back home, I got into radio-controlled boats, but we'll talk more about that in a different episode. And I decided, you know, I really should go see some of these off-Broadway shows that are going on. And I think at that time, Cats was big on Broadway, but they did 7,000 performances or whatever. So Cats was big on Broadway for like 24 decades. But I started enjoying being in New York. Stuff started to look familiar. I wasn't threatened by the subway. I found it humorous. I understood where it was okay to go, when it was okay to go, and that made it a lot better. But that's how I'm wired. I like to hunker down when I go to a big city. I love to explore the outdoors. I love to go walking in the woods. I love to go put miles on when we're out at a state park. But I tend to not want to go out and get involved in my surroundings and enjoy my possible opportunities. I'll do that in a woodland area, but I don't do that in the city. I don't want to go out and find out what's out there. I'm not interested, or I don't want to put in the time, or I don't know what it is, but I just don't like that. It's not necessarily that I don't have the confidence. That's kind of what it was in New York, but now I've just come to realize I'm wired that way. So some of it is figuring out how you're wired, and sometimes you have to rewire yourself and use those opportunities and that's what our guest is going to talk about, is how she was able to rewire the way she was so she could enjoy the opportunities around her. Stick around. We'll talk to Marie Valois. Thanks for listening to the Collecting Confidence podcast. It's my belief that everyone has experience with confidence, and we either have the trophies or the scars to show for it. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe and leave a review, or maybe share this with a friend who needs to hear this. If you have suggestions for the show, topics you want covered, or questions you'd like answered, or if you just want to shoot me a line, you can go to the Collecting Confidence Facebook page or contact me directly at collectingconfidence at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I'd love to help you. Now let's go collect confidence. Joining me today is Marie, is it Valois or Valois? Uh, Marie is a recent graduate of St. Ben's in the communication department. She is currently an assistant wedding planner for two different planning places. Marie, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me today. I'm so glad to have you here. And it's it's Valois, is that correct? Yes. Well, that's interesting because I went to school with a Valois. The best mispronunciation I've ever got was voila. But voila. Yes. <laughs> you have arrived. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we're talking today about confidence, about collecting confidence along the way. And one of the first things we want to do is to just establish what does confidence mean to you? Well, to me, confidence means being comfortable with and proud of who you are, you know, not compromising your core beliefs to please others, being comfortable with your vulnerability and admitting your faults, and celebrating yourself without tearing others down. For me, confidence, authenticity, vulnerability, and intentionality all kind of go hand in hand. Excellent. And as you've gone through life, can you think of some times when you've gathered confidence a little bit at a time, some either skill or class or something that you started not having that confidence, but you slowly acquired it? Absolutely. I think, I mean, the biggest journey of confidence I went on was during college, but my life hasn't been very long. So <laughs> I started college, you know, as a scared 18 year old who said no to everything and everyone. I spent every night sitting in my bed watching Netflix. I didn't 
join clubs, didn't have many friends, that kind of thing. I really struggled finding out, you know, who I was, but it wasn't until I started being honest with people and being vulnerable and admitting that, that I finally became confident. You know, I made friends that were like, you know, I'm also really homesick and I also really struggle with this and that kind of a thing. And, you know, having those friends who loved me for me and not for someone I was trying to be, that kind of success, you know, in my back pocket really helped propel me into the person that I am today and finding friends and deepening those relationships and being confident in that and who I am. So freshman Marie was very different than senior Marie. World's different, yes. (laughs) And what would senior Marie tell freshman Marie to help? Stop saying no to things (laughs) (laughs) and just jump right in, especially since my senior year was cut short. You know, I really... I regret those years where I was so shy and I was so insecure and that kind of a thing. I wish I could have just jumped in right away and just thrived right away. Right. Taking that action is really the first step. In fact, without action, a door is just a wall. So it's very important that you try to open some of those doors and and move on and do some stuff. What have you seen with other students, other kids, friends? How have you seen them dealing with confidence, either dealing well or dealing poorly with it? Yeah, I had a friend who was really insecure in a lot of her relationships and was constantly letting people walk all over her. And it was really hard to watch, you know, someone who you loved and who you thought was awesome and great, just selling themselves short in every situation and viewing themselves as less than. And that was really, I would say, sophomore and junior year. But eventually, you know, she found those successes and she found those healthier people in her life and things like that. And she's grown into such a confident person. And I'm super proud of that and everything that she's gone through. The majority of my friends, or at least I can think of one friend in particular, came right into college, super confident right away. You know, she knew who she was. She was super fun to be around. It was a great learning opportunity, you know, to be her friend and see how she was in situations and see how she would crack a joke and not many people would laugh, but she didn't care. You know, she was just confident with who she was and comfortable with that. And that really taught me a lot. I think it helps to have people in your life that are both confident and not confident, you know, to see, okay, this is a good way to handle this situation, or this is a good way to be, and this isn't that kind of a thing. My producer left a program note here that says you came from a very musical family. Can you talk us through the progression of the, both the skills and the confidence that you got to play a musical instrument? For sure. So yeah, a lot of my older cousins and older siblings are, you know, everyone had an instrument. Everyone had an instrument that they played and I could name them all now, but... So it was really almost like an assumption that once I hit high school, I would also play an instrument. And so it never was a question of, can I do this? Should I do this? It was always just like, all right, my turn, which I'm very fortunate to have grown up in because I think performing and music is very scary and can be very vulnerable. But I grew up in a pretty healthy musical environment. I really, I mean, band was the highlight of my high school career. I loved band. And in college, I did choir instead. The choir and the band met at the same time. And I had, you know, music scholarship for choir. So I went with choir. And that was also the highlight of my college career, you know, spending every day with other musicians and just being yourselves and working on this work of art together and performing it at the concert for everyone and sharing that with everyone. That's such a joy of mine. And when you go to perform in with singing, do you feel confident about your singing or what are the things that make you more or less confident about that? I do. I do feel confident in my singing. My college was a little bit different in that at each turn of the semester, we didn't have to re-audition for an ensemble. You know, once you auditioned, you got in and you were in. But I knew that I got in for a reason because I was in the top auditioned ensemble. So it wasn't just 
you know, I need to fill a music credit, might as well sign up for this. And the people around me were really hardworking musicians. And so it was nice to know that not saying we were all on the same level, but we all had the same mentality and we all had the same appreciation for music. I didn't feel inadequate and I didn't feel uncomfortable. I was a music minor for my freshman year of college and I had studio, which I hated. I dislike singing by myself in front of people because I I get a little insecure and I don't like people looking at me and that kind of a thing. I don't like being the center of attention, which is funny coming from my family. But (laughs) so choir was a nice way to kind of blend in with this group of people, but still be making music and still singing together. Why do you suppose there is that difference between singing your part with a choir versus singing your part alone? Singing my part alone, if something goes wrong, that's on me. When I was in band, if something went wrong, I could blame my instrument. I could say, oh, my my reed wasn't wet enough or, oh, sorry, I just fracked that note for whatever reason. But if I messed up singing something in Italian, that's my fault. <laughs> so it's harder to pass the blame. And I knew that, you know, if I was bad, then I was bad. It wasn't my instrument was out of tune or something like that. And so I think there's a little bit of vulnerability there of, you know, stepping into that role and singing in front of a bunch of people who might not really know you, you know, you're all just in studio together once a week. So you don't have a ton of time to get to know these people. I am more comfortable singing by myself around people that I know. I think that has something to do with it. You know, knowing that these people already like me, they already know me for me, you know, they don't, they aren't just sitting here listening to me sing and then critiquing it for an hour and then leaving to go hang out with their friends. You know, they're invested in my life and they know me. Have you seen other people that have really struggled with the confidence to perform on stage? Hmm, Not so much. Mm -hmm. I think I've more so seen people struggle with like public speaking, but I guess the people that I've been in with like musical groups and things like that and ensembles, everyone wants to be there and wants to perform and that kind of a thing. So it's not so much I haven't, yeah, I haven't seen many experiences of stage fright or people not wanting to sing. They usually um, weed themselves out by then? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And they say that about 72% of the people have a fear of public speaking. Where have you seen that? Is that in school presenting? Yes, definitely. In high school, I would say more so because as a comm major, you know, everyone chooses to be a comm major and likes public speaking to an extent, or at least is good at it. But in high school, you know, when you have to give a French presentation, no one wants to do that. And so it's putting people outside their comfort zones and that kind of a thing. I remember I had to give in health class, I think sophomore year, we had to pick a different, you know, ailment or whatever to present on. And I picked seasonal allergies with my friend and we had kind of a health fair, you know, all of our little booths and all of our posters were set up and people would just walk around and learn about the different ailments. It was very, um, an uplifting day. (laughs) And I was mostly doing all the talking because she would just, she would stutter or she would get scared or hesitant or would say the wrong thing, or she would trail off a sentence and I would pick up and kind of fix the situation there. She's one of my dearest friends and I love her so much, but she just doesn't have a knack for public speaking, which is totally fine. That's probably the biggest thing that I can think of. It's more so in public speaking, not so much in the music world, at least what I've seen. Right. I think it's important to get yourself out of those positions where you're not comfortable and put yourself where your strength is. And so if your strength is in performing, fine, be on stage. If you're a great clapper, be out in the audience. That's that's the way it goes. Now, from there, you've you've graduated thanks to COVID kind of uniquely, but you graduated and you went on to job interviews. Uh, did you have a lot of job interviews? I did. I had quite a few. I was job searching for about six or seven months and had probably a job interview about once a month. And those were 
those were fine. I mean, it's hard to do a job interview over Zoom anyways. It's kind of awkward. You know, you don't, it feels weird to be wearing like nice clothes on top and pajama pants on the bottom. And it just, it's very out of the norm. But there were definitely some interviews where I felt like I nailed it. And then there were some where I was, I would, and I would exit the Zoom meeting and I would just sigh and just go, oh, they probably think I'm so weird. <laughs> <laughs> what about the confidence going into those? Do you feel like, I know there's a lot of people right now who are applying for jobs. And I just want to kind of broadly talk about the confidence of going into a meeting or an interview like that. What is it that you do to get comfortable or confident in those? Well, I like to be prepared. I like to, you know, read over my own resume and re refresh myself on the projects that I've done and the works, like the, the work that I've done in various jobs that I've had. I like to, if I know who's going to be interviewing me, I sometimes like to look up a bit about them, see if I can find them on LinkedIn or social media or something just to see if there's anything in common there. And I've had pretty good success with that. I had an interview with a public relations firm and I had looked up the person who's interviewing me ahead of time and on the website that they had. And, you know, they had this little blip about each of the women who was in this role or in, the, in this company. And the one interviewing me said she loved podcasts. And I was like, oh, perfect. I love podcasts too. So I kept that in the back of my mind. And I mentioned that during my interview, I was like, oh yeah, in my free time, I like to listen to podcasts. And she was like, oh, wait, no way, me too. And it was just an instant <laughs> like, okay, I feel like this is going well. She likes me, this is great. Um, so that's been really helpful. Um, being prepared to, sometimes I talk with my friends or my family if I'm feeling a little bit insecure or, you know, like, oh, why would they want me? You know, I'm, I'm fresh out of college. There's probably people with way more experience than I have. And they're, they're always my biggest supporters of saying, no, you're <laughs> wonderful at this. You will be awesome. They would be lucky to have you. So that was always a big help. Uh-huh. I, I go around for uh, Fred Pryor seminars and teach, and we teach leadership. And one of the things that we have learned is that if you hire people right out of college, you can get them at the lowest possible cost and <laughs> they don't have any bad habits yet or not as many bad habits yet because they haven't worked for someone else that allowed them to do whatever it was. Because in leadership, it's what you create and what you allow. And so if mm -hmm. someone allows you to miss deadlines and doesn't hold you accountable, and then we hire you, you'll assume that that's what you can do. So I, I totally understand that, but you should definitely be more confident about that because they love people right out of college. Yeah. You talked a little bit about podcasting, which is a fantastic segue into podcasting. And as my program notes have written down here, POV from two wing three, is that correct? Yeah. Can you tell me about that? Absolutely. So my dear friend Reagan and I, we're just kind of joking around this summer, you know, laughing about how we talk about everything under the sun and go on so many tangents and so many rants. And we were like, you know, we should start a podcast. I feel like that would be so fun to just A, have for ourselves to look back on and laugh at. And B, I think it could be really helpful for people. And so we started a podcast in, I think, January. We started kind of really seriously thinking about it and planning it in November. But yeah, it's a podcast. So the title POV from two wing three relates to the Enneagram. I don't know if you know what the Enneagram is, but it's another like Myers-Briggs or Strengths Finder, that kind of a thing. Um, it's up various personality types. And Reagan and I have the same personality type, which is two wing three. Mm -hmm. And we just figured, you know, it would be fun to talk about 
these tough topics or share our experiences on things. I feel like everyone pretends that they have their lives together when in reality, no one does. So why don't we talk about that? You know, why don't we be honest and get a little vulnerable? And so far we've had a lot of, I've had a lot of my friends reach out to me saying like, I'm so glad you did this. Like, thank you so much. You make me feel less alone with what I'm going through. So it's been a really, really well received and it's been so fun to do. I love doing it, you know, with my best friend. So that's been really that's fun. That's great. When you started, was your confidence level pretty high? Did you understand what you were doing? Did you know what you'd be talking about? I did not know what I was doing. <laughs> I'm in charge of, you know, the editing and the putting it out and that kind of a thing. And I had never done anything like that before, but luckily the app that we use is super easy to use. But yeah, we, I think my confidence really comes from being able to do it with my best friend. If I was doing it by myself, I think I'd be a little bit more scared because, you know, if they didn't like me, I'd feel a little bit rejected, <laughs> but I'm doing it with my friend who loves me and, you know, that kind of a thing. So it's a, it's a good environment to do something with. It's a good time to do. What am I trying to say? We have a lot of downtime. So do something. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's, I mean, it's my first time doing a podcast. So it's really nice to do that with my best friend. It's really nice to do that with someone who, uh -huh. you know, yeah. Who knows judgmental. Who's, yeah. Not judgmental. Who's seen me ball. Who's seen me laugh. Who's seen me pretty much every situation. So it's nice to do that with her. Excellent. And as we go out here, is there a final tip that you could give to people who are trying to either maintain or increase their confidence? Well, if you haven't already, I would really recommend checking out Brene Brown. She has a ton of books on vulnerability and confidence and authenticity. So definitely check out some books by her. My mom and I watched a TED talk that she did. I think it was on Netflix for a while, or at least a talk that she did. And we both were just blown away. It was so beneficial and so helpful for both of us. But I think the biggest thing I would say is to be vulnerable, you know, to be honest, to not put up some facade that you have all your life together, you know, people aren't perfect. And so I know this goes against the Midwestern Minnesota nice. When people ask, how are you? Don't just say, good, you be honest, say, you know, you know, I've been pretty low energy lately, or we're coming up on a year of this pandemic quarantine and that kind of sucks. Cause I think <laughs> when people, you know, hear that they can go, okay, they can let their guard down a little bit and agree and say, man, I really feel you there. And that exchange can kind of build up your confidence and build up your relationship with that person. And, you know, you can feel a little bit more confident in who you are. Excellent. And so people can check out your podcast POV from two wing three. Thank you very much for being here. And I hope we can have you on again uh, in the near future. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Today's tip of the day is to take advantage of the opportunities around you. They will likely lead to more opportunities. This has been the Collecting Confidence Podcast. Thank you for joining me. I'm John Barrett.